Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. good to be with you this morning. Thank you for being here and, and just even strengthening my faith. Every Sunday when I look out at this room and I see people being here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ with me, it comforts my heart and strengthens my faith, um, knowing that we, we serve an amazing God. But now uh, as we turn to God's Word, one of the songs we sang, we say, the nearness of God is my good, right? The nearness of God is my good. And every time we open up God's Word, He's near to us. He's here, and he's, he's ready to speak to us. So take your Bibles now and turn to the book of Galatians. We are working our way through the book of Galatians, verse by verse, exegetically, so that we can dig into God's Word together and seek to understand the gospel of freedom together. And I want to read for us from chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 12. Galatians chapter 4 from verse 12, and the emphasis for our text today will be on verses 17 to 20. So let us read God's Word together. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify testify to you that if possible... He would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish, of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. One of the things I've mentioned to you over the last few weeks is that I've had the privilege of being my son's rugby coach over the last few months. Now he's smiling because I'm talking about rugby. In fact, next week will be their final tournament for the season. And one of the things we have had to teach this group of 12 young men again and again is that rugby is a team sport, right? Team sport. It's not just about you and what you want to do. Because you can imagine, give the ball to an 8-year-old with a passion for himself 
And he quickly gets white line fever and tries to run through everyone all by himself. Not wanting to give the ball to anyone else. And I must say, it has been so encouraging to see how this little team has grown in realizing that it's not just about them as individuals. That now, towards the end of the season, they are working together towards this common goal of having fun and being considerate towards others. But then a week ago, I had to be the referee for another team and help them out because their coaches could not make it to the game. And honestly... This was total chaos. Total chaos. Every player on this team must have asked me like a hundred times during that game, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I get the ball first? Can I be the one who kicks? It's all this nagging about me, 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 me. I want to do this. I want to do this. And it made the whole game very unpleasant for everyone. Because this selfish monster inside of them was busy coming out. And when these boys don't get what they want, they get all upset and they get very unhappy. And they even start to fight with one another. And this situation, when I looked at these boys, reminded me of what I am like sometimes when my selfish monster inside of me that is so pro-me wants to come out and is not crucified with Christ on a daily basis. I wonder if you stop and think about that, if you can relate to what I'm saying. You remember that Paul said to the Galatians, back in chapter 2, that one of the ways he found real freedom from the law is that he was crucified with Christ. He said in the well-known verse of chapter 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live. In other words, the I must die. Because if the selfish monster of me, me, me is not crucified with Christ, then you can be left with a kind of Christianity that is very religious and self-seeking rather than self-giving. And we also know that you might even be a real Christian. But that monster of self still wants to come out where you have a zeal for God. But you also still have a a very real zeal and passion for yourself. And it shows in the decisions you make and the, the priorities in your life. Now Paul's relationship with the Galatians is not what it used to be. He's confused and perplexed about how they're listening to and embracing this false gospel that pretty much makes it all about self again. We have seen in our previous time together in Galatians 4 that in God's providence, He brought Paul to the regions of Galatia with a severe illness or or disability at that time, which opened him the door to proclaim the gospel of freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ to these pagan Gentiles who were enslaved to their false worship of self-effort. And they were so in love with Paul's message of freedom that it caused them to be willing to to rip out their eyes so they can give it to Paul to help him. Because they didn't care about what he looked like, how gross he might look like because of this, this ailment. They only cared about him. 
They had this special affection for Paul. There was this real bond and unity that can only be described by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But now, instead of having this supernatural sacrificial joy, knowing and believing how free they are in Christ, they're busy becoming slaves again. Slaves again to their own efforts. By thinking they must go back to the law and become Jewish to be right with God. They're becoming slaves again to the monster of self and the lie of self. And the last time again we were looking at Galatians, we also saw that Paul was passionately pleading with them to consider what has happened to their joy. We mentioned that if the ministry of God's Word is is a priority in your life, it gives you the, the right perspective about life, about suffering. And how we can have joy no matter what the circumstances in our lives might be. But the Galatians have lost the joy they once had in the true gospel of grace. And have become like these young rugby players who are more concerned about themselves and what they want to do. And it's changing their relationship with other people. And because the monster of self wants to take over again, they have become pray to the selfish lies of the Jewish false teachers who are just exploiting the situation. I mean, so imagine like another coach comes over to the team and says, hey, don't listen to all this stuff about rugby being a team sport. Come over to our team. Here you can play the game just the way you want to play it. If you want to be the guy who gets the ball all the time, then do it. If you want to run through everyone on your own efforts, do it. If you want to be on the best team, the team that promotes self, then come to our side. You see, and that kind of lie can sound promising if you basically only care about yourself and your own glory and your own desires more than Jesus and what God has done in setting you free from those desires. Where the truth is becoming like the enemy And the lie is becoming like a friend. Once the Galatians started turning from Paul's message, we know they were also busy turning away from Paul. Their relationship was busy falling apart. But you know what's so striking, as we even mentioned this last time, is that Paul is not giving up on them. Paul is not giving up on them It could be very easy for him to just walk away, to focus on all these other church ministries that he's so responsible for. But he's so committed to the Galatians because of his love for Jesus, even if they're showing they are more committed to themselves. You see, by embracing the lie of self and a self-serving gospel again, they no longer saw hardships and suffering as a blessing from God. Because if you see Christianity as a life of always getting getting what you want and always going the way you want it to go, just wanting to fulfill your own desires and add Jesus as a tagline to your religion, then suffering for Christ does not fit into that equation. And as a result, the Galatians started to neglect the real truth and saw this truth that 
once gave them this amazing, great, fundamental joy in the Lord, now as the enemy. The truth has become the enemy. Which meant they saw Paul as the enemy. Because he's the one who keeps pointing them back to this truth again and again and again. And so Paul wants to fix the relationship. He wants to fix it. He's not content to step back and let these guys go down the selfish road again. And in this verses before us today, he is still trying with the Galatians to get them back to the truth. And he wants to get the relationship back on track. And to win them back to the truth, what he tries to do is he's drawing a very distinctive contrast between the Jewish false teachers and their self selfish, self-seeking intentions to win the Galatians over to this false gospel and his loving, self-sacrificing intentions to see them be more like Jesus. In other words, he wants to show them the zeal these false teachers have for themselves and wanting the Galatians to be like them versus the zeal he has for them to be more like Christ. And basically what we see in verses 17 to 20 of Galatians chapter 4 are three desires of a, of a passionate pastor who, who wants to fix the relationship with people he has sacrificed for, people he loves and cares for, all because of the truth of the gospel. And one of the first desires he has here is that they will recognize the selfish intentions of these false teachers. He's gonna, if he's gonna win them back to the truth and get the relationship back on track, then firstly they must identify the selfish intentions of the false teachers. That's verse 17. Paul says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. You see, the relationship now between Paul and the Galatians, I've come to a point where he is the one that represents the truth all the time, and, that, and they're opposing this truth. He's making them see that the issue of self is in the forefront, and they're turning against him. And it could also be that the false teachers are trying to convince the Galatians that this is how they should see Paul. He's the enemy. He's the opposition. They continually try to paint this picture of Paul as being the real enemy. And being so caught up in the moment, Paul doesn't even mention the the false teachers by name here. He just refers to them as, as they. They. Because we know by now that the they are referring to the who. These legalistic Judaizers who are insisting that the Galatians become like them. But it's what the they, these false teachers are doing that Paul wants to emphasize here in verse 17. They want to win the Galatians over to their side. They want to win them away from Paul. And how do they want to do it? Well, Paul highlights at least two ways here. One way is by feeding the self-monster of the Galatians again. Because Paul writes, they make much of you. They make much of you. The NIV translation says, those people are zealous to win you over. Like any cult, they have a great passion to make you one of their disciples. 
But it's in this context that the words here for being zealous, and or as other translations put it, seeking them, has to do with having a deep interest in someone, to court someone's favor and make much of them. Which means Paul is using some sort of romantic language here. In other words, the intensity in which they are going after the Galatians is like they are, they are sweet-talking the Galatians and manipulating them by making them feel as if they are important. They were talking to them in such a way, pretending that they care about everything that goes on in their life, when in fact they did not. Because Paul adds, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. Paul is saying to them, these guys pretend like they care about your best interests, but they actually don't give a rip. It's like a, it's like a young man who's getting all these mixed signals from a girl. I think all the guys can relate. He thinks she's interested because she's sending him all these signals that she might be interested, showing interest in his life. But the truth is, she's not interested at all. She just wants the attention or to get something from him and use him. And of course, we know guys do this to the girls as well, right? I mean, yesterday I kind of saw this thing in action, but in a different way. We were driving towards Loftus, so we went to go see the rugby yesterday at Loftus. And I had this ticket, this parking ticket, that secured me basement parking at the stadium. And as I was sitting in this queue to get, there was this epic long queue, when did you get into this parking? All the, like every five minutes, there's a guy coming up to my window saying, no, I mean, I see it's full in there. You should come park over here. I can help you. Come over here and park here. It's like, I see you have a ticket. I see it's paid for. I see you have a guaranteed spot, but come over here. I can help you. You don't have to wait in the queue anymore. I'll help you over here. Five minutes later, same, same thing, different guy. Then the lies start coming. Oh no, there was a game earlier, so the parking's already full. There's no more parking left inside. You're not gonna get the, you're not gonna get the parking. But I stuck it out and I got the parking. Because I know what it was already mine and was secured. And Paul was like, wake up guys, think about it. They don't only sweet talk you into making you feel special. Look at their real intentions. Which is their second strategy. They make, they want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It's like, look, these guys are only interested to get you trapped in their system of religion so they can actually keep you away from the real truth and make you join their heresy so that they can make you, you can make them feel special about themselves. And they say all these nice things about you to win you over, but their real aim and ambition is that you can make it all about them. So instead of them being self-giving, they are just self-serving. All they really want to do is to get you trapped back in legalism again, so that it makes clear to everyone that they are God's real special people, and everyone must be like these Jewish people. In fact, Jesus actually said something about this very thing to the Pharisees. Listen to these striking words from Jesus. Matthew twenty-three, fifteen. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when you become a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell 
as yourselves. Which basically means these false teachers were cutting the Galatians off from grace and putting them in the same hell-bound direction of false religion and then even feeling superior to the Gentiles as they were going there together. And somehow the Galatians thought that is a good idea. In fact, at the end of the letter, Paul gets back to the issue of these false teachers again and says, Galatians 6.13, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They make all this fuss about the law and being circumcised, but they don't even keep the law themselves. Because these false teachers is not about God. It's all about them. It's about self. And their plan and desire was to keep making Christianity and religion about self. And the sad thing is the Galatians and many people today still fall for this. Because everyone has this self-loving monster inside of them that wants to be fed. Look at the warning Paul gave to the Romans, Romans 16, 18. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naïve. I mean, we think of some of the preaching we hear all around us today, right? Where the person is telling people about how they can be so powerful, how they can be so special, that God only wants victory and success for them. And people love hearing these messages about this kind of stuff because it keeps feeding the self-monster. And all these guys are wanting to do is, is draw a bigger crowd and larger and larger numbers so that they can benefit from it. But they don't really care about the people, they just care about themselves. But in another sense, people who neglect the real truth of the gospel in their lives and who want to do the Christian life on their own terms and not according to God's word and His design for the local church, who feel as if those who point out their idols and who point them back to truth are the enemy. And as a result, are distancing themselves from others are basically doing the same thing. They don't really care about people. They're only caring about themselves. And that is what makes Paul so strikingly different. That is what makes Paul so strikingly different because his desire is not for himself. First he wants the Galatians to see the issue of selfishness They must deal with a heart that that sees the selfishness that, that comes and just wants more and more and more. And how these false teachers are wanting all this self-attention on, on themselves. That a life under the law is a life of self. But then secondly, if he's gonna win them back to the truth and get the relationship back on track, they must identify the selfless love that he wants for them to be more like Jesus. 
They must identify the selfless love that He wants them to be more like Jesus. He writes, verse 18, It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for who am I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. See, Paul is not trying to get the Galatians to avoid these false teachers and their false gospel alone. His desire is to get back to the place where they all were when they were enjoying the gospel of freedom and the Lord Jesus Christ together. And so now he points out how his intentions are so very different from theirs. First he says in verse 18, It's always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you. In other words, Paul was also zealous for them. He was also seeking after them when he first preached the gospel to them in Galatia. But Paul's intentions were different. He had the right intentions, which was what? Which was to set them free from the bondage of self. And it was a constant desire for Paul, not only when he was present with them, Paul was laboring and pouring himself out for them, even when he was not with them in person. I mean, this letter to them is an example of that, right? Paul is not writing this this passionate letter because he's concerned that he's losing popularity votes. He's writing it to protect the spiritual well-being of the church. In fact, we know Paul is happy, even if the real gospel is preached, even if people preach it with the wrong intentions. Right? You remember how he wrote from prison in Philippi, saying Philippians 1.15, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whatever... In, in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. But that is not what's happening in Galatia. The truth of the gospel is being compromised. And so look at what Paul really desires for the Galatians. Look at what he desires for them in contrast to these false, selfish Jewish leaders. He says first, my little children, My little children. It's like Paul the defense attorney has laid aside all the courtroom language. All that legal talk. And he's now like a compassionate, caring mother. Who's like a mama bear ready to protect these spiritual children. The term, my little children, shows us how much he still cares for them in this moment. And then we know, in fact, this is the kind of language you see from Paul in his letters to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2, where he says to the church there, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous for you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And what do loving, caring mothers want for their children? They only want the best, right? They only want the best, which is what? 
It's not giving your child everything his heart desires. It's not feeding the selfish monster. It's not allowing them to be lured away by the sweet talks of the lies of this world. And all the false teachers, even if the false teachers are the children themselves. Paul shows us here not only what the ultimate thing is to desire for any other believer, but he also tries to share how much he really wanted the best for them and how he was willing to suffer again for them to get it. Which is what? For whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What a difference from the selfish schemes of the Judaizers. All that Paul wants to see is that they become more and more like Jesus and not more and more like Jews. And it's this interesting graphic that Paul paints for us here because he's like, I once suffered so that you can be born again Christians. That you can experience spiritual birth. And now it's like I must go through the pains of bringing that same child into this world again. Imagine you just had a baby. Let's talk to the moms in the room, right? And that baby comes out through a difficult labor. And now it's like that child wants to go back and you have to get him out again. You see, through Paul here, God is communicating to us in a way that we can relate, right? Because Paul does not actually know the pain of childbirth. But he knows it's painful. And I know that when I looked at my wife when she brought our two kids into this world, it was very painful. And so for Paul, it's like the behavior of the Galatians are putting him back in the maternity ward, in this process of labor, in the pain of having the same child again. And he's willing to go through that kind of pain. For what reason? To have Christ formed in them. That was his deepest desire. And this idea of Christ being formed in them means that Paul simply will not be content until Christ so dominates their lives that no matter what other lie comes along, that wants to feed the monster of self and seeks to take their focus away from Jesus and the gospel, he will selflessly and lovingly keep pointing them back to Christ. No matter what they feel against him personally, he just wants them to see the selfless love of our Savior. I think again back to Pastor Allen's message from last week, that God has a purpose for everything in this world, right? And part of that purpose for us, according to Romans 8.29, is what? For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. God is at work through all the millions of bacteria and details of life to make you more like Jesus. And that is honestly the main desire for any biblical pastor. To see the members of the church be more like Jesus. So that no matter what challenge comes their way, they can stand firm in the truth of the gospel. But it can hurt sometimes. We see this from Paul here. It can hurt sometimes because you see people drifting away 
You see them living selfishly, following their own sinful desires, and it hurts you. But they're not becoming more like Jesus, but they're becoming more like the world again. And so there's this desire, like a, like a godly parent who desires that their kids follow Jesus instead of their own foolish, selfish hearts, but realizing that it's a process, right? It's a process. First, there must be the new birth. Then it's this molding process that takes time. Being formed into the image of Christ. More and more through the, the power of God's Word and through His Holy Spirit. Where if, if you live your life centered on the Word of God and on Jesus Christ, then you can trust that God is making you more like Jesus. Through every trial and challenge in your life. And Paul is willing to do whatever it takes to see Jesus saturate their lives again. His heart and soul is in so much pain because he so desperately wants them to be like Jesus. Which again is this vivid contrast to these false teachers who just want to make it all about themselves. Because the gospel that Paul proclaims makes you a self-sacrificing person. It makes you go the extra lengths to see other people thrive spiritually. And it troubles your soul when they don't. It makes you imitate our Lord Jesus Christ who, who went the extra mile himself, who is, is the greatest picture of what it means to be self-sacrificing, giving his very life so that you can crucify that self-monster who wants to revert to a life of only doing the things that the way you want to do it. It makes you get your priorities straight. To have a desire to be more like Jesus and being willing to say no to the tiredness when you're so tired and say yes to coming to church. To say no to your emotions and say yes to meeting up with someone else to talk about the challenges and joys of the Christian life. To be in a relationship where you're willing to confess your sins to one another. And seek help from one another. To say no to your idols and say yes to trusting God for His work in your life. To say no to your own desires to do everything so perfectly. That if you don't get it right all the time, you're sad and depressed, finding your identity in your own performance again. Rather saying, I want to be more like Jesus and find joy in the fact that even as someone that fails every day, God already sees me as having the perfect righteousness of Jesus. That is the gospel the Galatians came to knew, came to know, and they're busy turning away from. The one that says God loves you and is so committed to you that he puts people in your life, a church family with elders and shepherds and other brothers and sisters who constantly exhort you to stay close to the truth so that you can be more like Jesus. I know the elders in this church have this desire that you will be more like Jesus. That you can have words that are gracious, sweet like a honeycomb, and health for the body. Proverbs 16, 24. That you can lay aside every sin that so easily entangles you. That you can run the race of the Christian life with endurance, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Hebrews 12, 1-2. 
If our focus is to be more like Jesus in this church, then we will also not be content like Paul to see ourselves living in a way that is contrary to the gospel of grace and freedom. Living in a way that puts disunity amongst ourselves. Where we are content to speak evil about other people and pretend everything is fine on Sunday, but during the week we have this tension with each other. Paul was not content with that. He was not content with that kind of relationship. He didn't want to avoid the Galatians. He wanted to communicate and resolve the issue. To win them back with selfless love, the selfless love of Jesus. And so to get the relationship back on track, he desires that they first see the selfishness from, of their own hearts and the selfish intentions of these false teachers that seek to lure them away from the truth. That they see in what pain he is for them. So they can be more like Jesus. The selfless, self-giving response to the true gospel has. Versus the, it's all about me gospel. And now thirdly, to get the relationship back on track, they must identify the challenges in communication. The challenges in communication. Verse 20. He says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. For I am perplexed about you. As you can imagine, it's not easy to talk about these heavy personal issues in something like a letter. Not being there in person to see how the Galatians will respond. Paul didn't have the luxury of a Zoom call or a WhatsApp video call like we do. He was not able to be there in person to know exactly what kind of tone he should be using with them. Which means communication is hard. Communication is hard. (coughs) What is clear here is that Paul did desire to be with them in person. (coughs) Sorry. He would take sitting down with them in person to hash these details out any day of the week. To get this relationship back on track, to be able to meet down in person any day of the week. But he was in a position where he could not do that which must have been so hard for him. But think again from it from a parenting perspective. You have this child living in a foreign country, and you hear how they're making bad choices one after the other, as you're thousands of miles away. You wish you could be there in person to talk some sense into their heads. And the child on the other side, trying to deal with all the selfish desires and emotions, don't always hear the love and concern from their parents. They're so blinded by the lies around them, it's hard for them to hear the truth being communicated even in something like an email. See, for Paul, it was like he did not know what else he could do. He could not understand how the Galatians could have been taught the gospel so clearly and see how they were changed by it practically and how they believed it genuinely, (coughs) genuinely. I need some water in a few seconds here. If someone wants to grab me a cup of water from the back, that would be great. (coughs) And perhaps you find yourself feeling the same way Paul does in the kind of relationships you have with, with people. We've you've exhausted all your resources to help someone else. 
And you don't know what else you could say or do. One thing we should recognize is that when we are trying to get relationships back on track for the sake of the gospel, that there are going to be challenges in communication. But there is at least communication, right? There is communication. So often we avoid the challenging communication because it is so hard. We send off stuff on WhatsApp and it gets misinterpreted. We can even send a whole letter. We have tried to express so much love to the other person who is busy drifting away or living in a way where Christ is not being represented in their lives. But all they can find in all those words of love are the smallest of details where they want to defend themselves and criticize you. Now perhaps you do have the opportunity to meet with someone in person, but you don't want to do it. Love responds to people to meet them where they're at and not where you might hope they will be. Love responds to people to meet them where they're at and not where you might hope they will be. In other words, the selfless love of Christ and wanting to see Christ formed in the other person compels us to meet with them in person where possible and communicate to resolve any conflict there might be. To not be content with a lack of communication or miscommunication, but to be patiently seeking each other's Christ-like good. I like how one scholar says it. He says, Love is anchored in the real world. Tackling the problems of people, tackling the problems people face. And it does not give up on others when they are not where we expect or hope them to be. At the same time, love longs for the perfecting of the one loves. When you really love someone, you call them to love Christ with all their hearts, with all their soul, and with all their mind. We find unity in our shortcomings and our failures, and we find unity in God's merciful grace. And it's because we have the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ that we exhort each other to live like Him, to be like Him, to want to see one another be more like Jesus. That's why men like Pastor John Stott says, the church needs people who, in listening to their pastors, listen for the message of Christ. And pastors who, in laboring among the people, look for the image of Christ. When we see the lack of spiritual growth in others, it can cause us pain. And it might make it hard for us to know what to say next, wondering what is the best approach and what it would be. But we need to keep praying that God will give us a burden to see Christ formed in ourselves and in others. That God will grant true repentance to those whom we love and they will hear the love in the way we communicate to them. Because we know communication is hard. And so Paul shows us here three desires. Three desires of a passionate pastor who wants to win people back to the truth. Who wants to get the relationship back on track. 
with people who are busy falling away to the lie of self. And we saw he desires that people will see the selfishness of those who seek to lure them away. Who make much of you so you can make much of them. So let me ask you, what lies are you listening to that are feeding the monster of self within you? These lies that make you feel special, that are perhaps starts to distort the truth of the gospel, where you are looking for a self-serving gospel rather than a self-sacrificing gospel. See, in contrast to a life of self-seeking, God calls us to a life of self-giving. Self-giving. Paul had this great desire that Christ be formed in the Galatians. And so ask yourself, what is your life all about? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Seems like a simple question. And does that reflect in the way you live your life and the relationship you have with other people? In Titus 2, Paul said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. What are you zealous for? What are you genuinely zealous for? Is it to do the Christian life the way you want to do it? Or is it to grow to be more like our Savior? And to do the good works that He has prepared for you. How much do you want to be like Jesus? And how much are you willing to suffer to see Christ formed in others? That's a pretty challenging question. See, the Christian life is a journey full of ups and downs. But God has given us each other and called us to a life where if we evaluate our desires and bring them in line with the desires of Christ, which is to lay down our lives for each other and not be content until we see this church family look more like Jesus every week. And part of that includes how we communicate. Having the desire to resolve any issues in person as far as possible so that we can enjoy the gospel, the grace in the Lord Jesus Christ together. Paul said like this to the Philippians in Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by our, your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that from God, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. We crucify that monster of self daily by running to the cross of Jesus. 
and recognizing how much grace we have in Him. Because we know we are still going to engage in a selfish world. A selfish world that wants you to be as selfish as they are. And our relationships are going to be affected by this kind of selfishness. And they they will be suffering for the cause of the gospel. But may our lives be, be worthy of the gospel. May we stand firm together as one and one spirit. May we strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. May we not be fearful, but have the boldness to help each other be more like Jesus. Not because we want to judge one another, but because God has already judged Jesus in our place, and therefore we long to see each other live like Him. Is that what you long for? Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much again that we see the passion You have for Your people through the Apostle Paul. Thank you so much for showing us that his commitment to the gospel gives him a commitment to people willing to suffer and be in the pains of childbirth again to see them understand the truth of the gospel. Lord, it's our desire to be more like Jesus. It's our desire as a church family, as leaders of this church, to see everyone in this room be formed into the image of Christ. And Lord, sometimes there are barriers to this formation. The barrier of self and selfishness and the lies of the world that seeks to draw us away from the truth. And sometimes the barriers are our communication, Lord, where the selfishness in our own heart stops us from communicating, from resolving issues. So, Father, we pray that you would strengthen our faith, strengthen the unity of the your people in this church. Help us to shape one another to be more and more and more like our Savior Jesus. Help us to have the same passion for one another like Paul has for the Galatians. This is something supernatural, Lord. We know. The world says, think about yourself and only you. And we bring that stuff into the church and we try and live the Christian life on our own through our own deeds and our own works again. Lord, Help us to turn from that. Help us to repent of that. And help us to see how beautifully free we are in the Lord Jesus Christ to love one another selflessly. Because we have a self-giving Savior who gave us everything in Him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.